You're tuning in to the Raised by Rentals program. This podcast will contain strong language and spoilers for decades-old media properties. Welcome, everybody. This is the podcast where we examine pop culture franchises of the VHS era and improv news stories downloaded from our brains to yours to imagine how we might improve our favorite movies, TV, and games. I'm Josh. I'm Mike. And we were raised by rentals. Mike, go directly to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Aww. (laughs) (laughs) Anything sounds dramatic when you say it like this. That's, that's why they always do that for the summer movie guy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> In a world. <laughs> that, was, that was the only way that not everyone in the theater just didn't bust out laughing when they did the Battleship movie trailer. It was only because <laughs> that guy was doing the voiceover. <laughs> In a world where aliens come to fight the Marines. <laughs> exactly. Any other voice and people would just been like, next. <laughs> like, where's the skip button on this? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, speaking of movies that are uh, adaptations of board games, we are here to try our hand once again. And I don't know why we torture ourselves this way, but (laughs) we are here once again to try to adapt a board game into some kind of a movie or TV show or something. And so I, you mentioned it on, I think, two episodes now of Count Creepyhead Saturday Morning Monster Mash that we had an episode coming up that was going to be focused on good old Monopoly. Yeah, how are we going to do this one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Let's stall for a little while first. Anyway. <laughs> Well, we did have a little bit of a break between episodes, uh, so you know, if anyone out there listening, hey, sorry for that. Uh, we're glad you came back, and uh, or if you're new to this uh, to the show and this is your first episode, then you know, welcome to Raised by Rentals, where you know we like to focus, like I said, on uh, pop culture franchises of the VHS era, usually, which is roughly like 1980 to 2005. Uh, I mean, we focus mostly on movies and TV from that era, but this is actually way, way before that era. Monopoly mm-hmm. as a board game. Uh, well, the first version of it goes all the way back to 1903, but Monopoly as we know it today, or at least the the, the first version of it as the Monopoly that America grew to know and love, uh, was put on the market in 1935 by Parker Brothers. So yeah, we're going we're going way back, <laughs> way back in the day, pre VHS era on this one. But yeah, so we had to take a little bit of a break. It was nice to have, you know, some time off. We we took a little bit of time off the holidays, and then, man, you and I just both were crazy busy. Our schedules were really <laughs> yeah. full. It was so hard to record. You were recording a thousand episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, between Boogeyman's Closet and Count Creepy Head, I was just like, fuck, I got so much I'm doing. Yeah, and I, and I had a lot going on with work, and I was getting really stressed out. But also with my family situation, you know, my wife is a she travels for her job, so she's been out of town, and she moved to a new city uh, in Dallas this time. And my kids and I went up to visit, and uh, it was a fun weekend. A lot of things kind of went wrong, and it was super stressful. And it was just so much easier to be like, you know what? 
let's just take a break. Let's just not stress mm-hmm. out and have one more thing to freak out about. One more recording session of like, you know, hours to squeeze in somewhere and then uh, and then editing and all that. So like, yeah, the, the like literally the day of it was like abort, abort, like take a, <laughs> take a break. And it was nice to have a, a, a little bit of a holiday again, but hopefully uh, we won't make too much of a uh, too much of a, of a habit of that. Right. Well, hey, you know, life gets in the way. It, we, uh, it, as much as we both love doing this, we both have families and uh, full-time jobs. So, you know, some yeah. every once in a while, there's going to be a delay. Yeah, something's got to give sometimes. And unfortunately, it's the things that we do for fun for no money. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> speaking of money, segue number two. Yes, I did it. Uh, <laughs> Score. <laughs> I'll be the banker. You can be the Scotty dog. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> That's my favorite. Uh, so history lesson. I know you did a little bit of research. I did too. We didn't coordinate ahead of time. So let's just kind of like collaborate a little bit here. Uh, we don't, I don't want to spend the whole episode stalling with a history lesson about where Monopoly came from, but I think that there's some interesting information here and some of it I think could give us, um, Maybe not like a plot line, but maybe at least some inspiration to kind of get in the right mood in terms of how do we come up with a storyline for yet another board game that doesn't really have a story? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the story of the game goes all the way back over 100 years, 1903. Lizzie Maggie, I think her last name was pronounced. I kept writing Maggie, but realized there's only one G in it. Yeah, um, I was doing the same thing. <laughs> She was a pretty awesome lady. Now, when I first heard about her, I saw some, like, did you know, like, interesting facts or, like, 10 things you didn't know about video on YouTube. You know, there's a bunch of those. That's, mm-hmm. half, of, half of YouTube is like, I bet you didn't know. Uh, <laughs> yep. Um, uh, half a TikTok as well now where it's like 10 movies from my childhood that you've never heard about. And then they proceed to list 10 movies that everybody's heard about. I know they're always like, you know, they're like, you know, you know, 10 underrated classics. And it's like, no, T2 is not an underrated classic. <laughs> exactly. Generation saw, Z just hasn't heard of it yet. I saw one the other day that included Bella Lugosi's Dracula. And I'm like, wait, what? How is that an underrated classic? That's what? I know. Gen Z just doesn't have any like context of like it shit, <laughs> shit before their time, you know, like, you know, oh, God, you know, side note. And, and I, I know, you know, we have a, a time limit today, but like, you know, I, I realized that recently too, with my own kids is I talk, I talk about like cultural touchstones sometimes. And one of my favorite YouTube creators, JJ McCullough started a YouTube short series where he taught, I forget what he, I think he calls it cultural literacy. He does a little one minute clip about here's a famous person you should probably know about, or, you know, a famous thing you should probably know about. And I realized that like, I don't think that younger generations now have as much historical cultural awareness as like generation X and probably the millennials did because Mm -hmm. there has never been a time when they lived with like network television that had to like fill time slots with reruns. Right. I mean, so it's like, when I was a kid, like Flipper hadn't been on TV in 20 years, but everybody knew what it was because it, you'd see reruns. Like people would make Gilligan's Island references like, OK, professor. And you right. knew what they were talking about, because even if you had never seen the show, there's this cultural awareness from like Nick at Night. You know? mm-hmm. Yep. 
and and even with MTV, people were constantly referencing, you know, older bands. You'd hear older music on the radio. To this day, you hear 20, 30, 40-year-old songs on the radio every single day. But, mm-hmm. like, Generation Z doesn't listen to the radio, you know? Right. So, <laughs> Everything is like the hot new thing. Everything is like now, 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 now. And I just thought that was an interesting thing, you know. So we have a podcast where we're like, back in my day, the VHS era when things were better. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that that is actually really interesting because I've never I've never stopped to think about that. That yeah, that everything is the it's the immediate consumption generation where it's like everything is at your fingertips. You don't have to wait. For, uh, you know, a t- like you don't you there's you don't have to wait for the next episode most with most things. I know now they're kind of coming back to that with streaming. Mm-hmm. But for the longest time, it was like, here's the whole season, you know, and you didn't have to wait a week and wonder mm-hmm. what's going to happen. You could just watch the whole damn thing. So, yeah, there, there's a there was an immediacy for for like most of my son's life, you know, yeah. where it's like once something is out, it's out. Enjoy it, you know. Yeah, and I, I find a lot of people, you mentioned TikTok, there's a lot of people on TikTok who seem to, they get a lot of like their sort of cachet, their coolness from knowing about stuff before their time, right? Like yeah. creators who talk about like, here's a bunch of music you've never heard of before. And it's like early 2000s, like radio rock, you know? <laughs> But it's, it's puddle of mud. Exactly. Like, <laughs> nothing but rock, you know. <laughs> but rock. But, <laughs> but it's like, it's cool because they discovered something old and they're like, oh my right. God, there's all this old music that was so good. But like, they're not just inundated with it all the time. Like, you know, again, when we were growing up, it was like, yeah, you turn on the radio and people are still playing Led Zeppelin all the time, you know, mm-hmm. even though Led Zeppelin hadn't been abandoned in 20 years or whatever. And it's like, but like to us growing up with that sort of older stuff, even like the oldies, like my mom listened to the oldies channel all the time. So like when I was growing up, you know, it took me a while before I realized that the music that she was listening to, that these people had been dead in some cases. For oh, decades, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, dude, seriously, like I cannot tell you how many friends like and, and I know you'll know it as soon as I like fucking Duke of Earl. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like how how did we know that song as children? But we knew mm-hmm. that song. It's straight into adulthood. Like I can still sing along with the Duke of Earl. Yeah. It's, it's so weird. Yeah. The, the other day, uh, I forget what movie we were watching with Tegan, and there was some reference to Elvis and the blue suede shoes, mm-hmm. and and somehow I was like, oh hey, did you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> and. And somehow Jerry Lee Lewis came up and I was like, you don't know who that is. And I played Great Balls of Fire and they were like, oh, yeah, I know the song. It's like from some movie. And I'm like, ah, see, I know it. I don't know it from a movie soundtrack. I know it from Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, and it's right. like, <laughs> you know, and it's and, like and the, the amazing Dennis Quaid movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. So way back in 1903, Lizzie Maggie, she from what I understand, was pretty awesome. But I started down the side trail by saying that, like, when I first heard about her, I heard about her as being this sort of, like, well, she was this anti-capitalist, like, shrew of a woman who, you know, supported, like, you know, this ridiculous, uh, burdensome tax. And she invented this game as, like, propaganda, a game called the Landlord's Game, where the the re- you realize that halfway through the game, the oh. only way to win <laughs> is to be, like, a slumlord and, like, you know, 
be abusive to your tenants and like take all the mm-hmm. hoard all the money for yourself and like that was the lesson of the game so that people would come around her her backwards way of thinking and it took uh you know this guy named charles darrow to realize that well she had invented a fun game and if you take all those silly politics out of it like it could mm-hmm. actually be really fun for the whole family uh but that's not the true the true story <laughs> right is- right that's not at all the true story <laughs> and you know, and I thought that for a long time because I, you know, when I again I heard about her and I just sort of took the story I heard at face value, and I probably could have done some research, but whatever. It was just like you know, number seven of the top ten things you didn't know about old stupid games. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as you probably know, so like the true story is that Lizzie Maggie was actually a pretty awesome person and pretty remarkable for the time, right? So she, she, I don't remember when she was born exactly, but an adult in the early you know 1900s. But she was a, a feminist, a women's rights supporter, a political activist, a poet, a comedian, an actress, a stenographer for a while, mm-hmm. which is, a, you know, it's a hard skill to learn. And she was even an inventor. She had actually several inventions, including one where she had a patent for improving the design of a typewriter so that the paper wouldn't jam as easily. And it would like, you know, roll through the little roller things that you typed automatically, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and so she invented several board games, the most famous of which was the Landlord's Game. And yes, it did have a political bent to it, but the whole purpose of the game was basically just to show that there was a huge divide between like the rich and the poor. And if you played the game in a certain way, everybody could come out with some money at the end. And like, mm-hmm. isn't that a nice story? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the weird propaganda that I heard is like, okay, I I, I don't want to get political on this show, but it's like I feel like I know who wrote that kind of a story. Whoever that YouTube video got it from, like I know the political leanings of their, oh, their yeah. source material. <laughs> oh, big time. <laughs> Uh, because the truth is that the game took off. It was super popular for decades, and she sold it and – uh, she sold it either herself or through other companies, like licensing it through other companies. And it became a really popular game in like, you know, uh, colleges, uh, primarily people would like make their own versions of it. And one of those people was a guy who was probably actually more of a thief. <laughs> um, yes. Charles Darrow. Yeah. Yeah. He straight out just stole the idea, pretended that he made it up on his own mm-hmm. by taking her rule book. Yes. Later got busted because, you know, he had her rules and the people he knew were like, no, no, no. Like we, he totally played the landlord's game at my house and mm-hmm. like I taught him how to play it. And then he just pretended it was his. But because he was like, you know, a straight white guy in the 1930s, people just believed him for yep. a really long time. Even Parker Brothers, the the company that, you know, bought the game or licensed the game from him for sale. Now, they they did eventually make good and give some money uh, to Lizzie Maggie. Not much. I, maybe make good is too strong of a term. But yeah. They, they at least tried to pay her for a patent. But, yeah, I mean, she was pretty bitter about it for a long time. Um, and I'm, I'm just I'm glad at least that she's remembered as the inventor um, of the you know original version of the game and, um, and not Charles Darrow. But anyway, the, mm-hmm. So that brings us to 1935. Monopoly comes out. Uh, it was the original version of the game had like different types of properties, but let, let's just talk a little bit about the game now, right? Um, mm-hmm. And feel free to you know jump in at any point. But 
uh, obviously the street names, it's a board game. The uh, street names are based on Atlantic City, New Jersey. New Jersey, yeah. yeah. Some of the streets don't exist anymore, or they have, like, different names, or, like, the spellings are wrong. Because I remember as a kid trying to figure out, like, where do these street names come from? I always assumed it was New York City because of, like, Broadway and, like, Park Place. Same. <laughs> but, like, I could never figure out, like, what's what's Marvin Gardens? Like, what, what even is that? Um yeah, it didn't occur to me to, you know, just two minutes on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Hasbro owns the game now. They bought up Parker Brothers at, at some point. And, man, there, of course, are now a huge number of, like, special edition versions and, like, different variations, electronic versions, and you name it. Because, I mean, is it too much of – is it – is it too much hyperbole to say that it's maybe the most popular board game in the world? I mean, I would say as far as like games that aren't things like checkers or chess. Yes. I would say this is probably the most popular board game just because everybody, I would say everybody's family has had at least one version of it. Some version of monopoly you has been owned. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I've never met a person that has not had any form of monopoly in their life. Yeah, agreed. And I think a lot of people probably have traditions like mine, at least, you know, in America, where every Christmas for us, where mm-hmm. one of the things or New Year's uh, when we're trying to stay up late, we end up sitting around playing Monopoly because a game of Monopoly can last for hours. <laughs> it's, yep. It's a good way to kill some time when you're trying to stay up till midnight for the for the ball drop. Yep. <laughs> we used to do the same thing. <laughs> My favorite version of it that we have now is I we have a Super Mario Brothers version that has like, you know, battery powered like uh question mark blocks and things that kind of make noise and like Bowser will laugh and it's kind of fun. Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah, but I do like the original version, but uh I always grew up um hating the game actually. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. To this day I think I probably still don't like it. Uh I definitely will play it and enjoy it. Um, definitely not something that I would go for. I wouldn't reach for this as a board game for family game night for sure. Uh Um, and I think part of the reason is that I grew up with these games that would just last for hours, these sessions that would go on (laughs) and on and on. Um, and I realized later after getting married that it's because we were always playing house rules, uh, you know, like, and I think that's a pretty common thing because my wife, Christina, she had her own house rules or the, the rules that they played in her family when she was growing up. And so like when we got married and played together, you know, the first time we ever played, it was like, wait, what are you doing? You know, it's like, right. you're sp- like, why aren't you auctioning off properties? Like, what do you mean auctioning off properties? You know, like, why aren't, why aren't you doing this or that? And it's like, we realized that neither one of us had ever just read the rule book and followed. the rules. <laughs> <laughs> we were just playing it the way that we were taught. You know? Right. <laughs> I think that's really common with a lot of those old timey board games. Yeah, definitely. It's funny, in Christina's family, I pick on her all the time, and we get into arguments all the time, because they have house rules in her family for damn near everything, to the point <laughs> where every time we play a game now, I have to I have to stop, and, and she calls me like, oh, you're like, you know, you're the game Yahtzee, or whatever, I don't want to use the other word, you know, right. <laughs> because, you know, she's like, you're like, you're a stick in the mud for the rules, and I'm like, no, 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 I just want to agree on what the rules are. I don't care about the according to whole rules in the rule book 
I right. would I I like to start there so I can understand how to play something. But if we're going to play a game I ha- don't know how to play or I'm not used to, I just want to agree on what the rules are so that there's not some gotcha that I didn't know about halfway through when you mm-hmm. place when you play some trump card and I'm like, where the hell did that come from? You know? Because exactly. They have house rules for everything. Everything down down to like you know rummy you know and hearts. You know? <laughs> so it's like I, I and and. You know, she's always like, well, that's just how we play. That's how I've always played. I'm like, cool. I'm glad you've always played that way. I just need to know all the rules. Don't surprise me halfway through, you know, (laughs) because it's not in the rule book. Or if I say, hey, it's in the rule book, you know, don't give me a hard time about it. (laughs) Like we argue all the time. It's like, I I don't know. Yeah, whatever. I don't want to disparage my own wife because I'm like, why can't we just just agree on a version? Just agree on one version (laughs) we're going to play. It doesn't need to be an argument like your way, my way. I don't care. Just, you know, don't be pulling right. these surprise rules out of your back pocket halfway through. Ha I got the Uno reverse. <laughs> it's like, where did that come from? <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> I thought we were playing poker. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so, oh, the, so you have this game board, you know, based on Linux City. And the purpose is, you know, you, you get some money and you're off on your way as a, I guess, a burgeoning, like, real estate mogul. I guess that's w- what the point of the game is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's... A bunch of properties. I think it's 28 properties. Most of them are different streets. They're grouped into like these like colored sets of like two or three streets. And there's some railroads. There's a couple of utilities. And then there's like some wildcard spaces. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and th- these I think could be interesting for like potential like storytelling hooks because there's there's chance cards where some seemingly random event happens in your life, like you get married or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the community chest, which shit, remind me, what the hell even is the community chest? <laughs> the community chest, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, you get stuff like um, there, there, there are some bad things that can happen, like, oh, you know, medical unexpected medical expense. But then there's mm. other things like, you know, bank error in your favor, collect 50 bucks, like stuff okay, like that. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like a, a, a group of chance cards where you never know what's going to happen with it. It could be good, could be bad, but you know, there's, there's a, a lot of risk and reward. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, so again, I think that there's inter- some interesting possibilities there for how do we work, you know, chance events into some kind of a story. Cause again, there's not really much of a story here other than like become a real estate tycoon, you know? Right. Um, yeah, and there's like there's I think it's I think it's interesting and kind of telling to the original version of the game that there is a space for a luxury tax. <laughs> right. <laughs> you basically have to like shell out just for for being rich, you know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then uh you know as as I use as as I alluded to at the beginning, you know, of course there is also a jail and you know, you can you can get one of these like I'm not sure if it's a chance card or a community chest, but you can get a card that'll tell you, like, you know, go directly to jail, do not pass go, do not collect $200. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there's, like, a, you know, there's methods for, like, getting yourself out of jail. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't, don't want to go through all the rules. Most people listening to this probably, you know, understand. Um, but I, I think it's interesting, too, that they had these, like, little tokens that you play. Mm-hmm. And I always assumed that they were kind of the same. I think people are probably familiar with... There's like a battleship, a race car, a top hat. I mentioned the Scotty dog. And I would have finished that list with like, oh, yeah, there's like a wheelbarrow and there's an iron like for ironing clothes. Mm -hmm. And I think a money sack probably is one of them. uh, There was a purse. um, Mm -hmm. 
Oh God, I'm trying to remember the, the the original. I think it was original eight. There was the battleship, like you said, the top hat, the iron, um, the thimble. The thimble, thimble, yeah, that's the um, one. the cannon, the race car, the Scotty dog, and um, I think it was a shoe. Yeah. Oh yeah. Shoe. yeah. <laughs> that's right. There was a shoe. <laughs> But yeah, they've changed them over the years. Like they they've they've retired and added and like because one year they re- they added a money bag and and they retired the purse. Um, and I know like at one point there was a freaking dinosaur. I don't know if that's still in the game. Um, like there was a T Rex <laughs> instead yeah. of the Scotty Dog, and there was a cat instead of the Scotty Dog at one point. Yeah, I actually yeah. did look that up. I, well, I saw I tried to look up like some history on like when they retired or added or whatever. It was a bit confusing. Yeah, there was a rubber duck at one point apparently. Oh yeah, uh, I forgot about that. But yeah, you're right. The T-Rex, the T-Rex is apparently still in the game, but is planning on being retired in 2023. And they're going to bring back the Thimble, which has been out of the game for, I guess, since the early 2000s, which seems crazy to me that it's been that long. Yeah, because I always used to play as the Thimble. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I was In my house, it was the Top Hat, the Thimble, and the Scotty Dog that got argued over. So I just got mm-hmm. used to playing the Thimble because I never got to play as the Scotty Dog or the Top Hat. <laughs> Yeah, I usually like to play as the top hat. Um, just I always just associated the top hat with the uh, Mr. Monopoly or uh, Uncle Moneybags. Yeah, that's it. Rich Uncle Moneybags, the, uh, mm-hmm. the the mascot or the 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 face uh, on the the box, right? The does he have a monocle? Isn't that one yeah. of those things where? Isn't that one of those things where it's like that that Mandela effect? Of like, does he have a monocle or not? <laughs> <laughs> he, he definitely. I don't know if he still does, but he definitely did at one point. And the main reason I remember that is from Ace Ventura Two: Pet Detective, where yeah. <laughs> where the little dude with the monocle is like, and he there's the big white mustache, and he's like, I'm making fun of Jim Carrey, yeah. and he he knocks him out, and wears him like a stole, and then he's like. He holds him upside down and starts like clicking his jaw. And he goes, do not pass. Go do not collect two hundred dollars. <laughs> That's the funniest scene in the whole movie. <laughs> oh, my God. That he movie fucking... is way funnier than it has any right to be. Yes, it's very problematic, but it's also hilarious. But yeah, he he fucking clocks that old dude. It's fucking hilarious. Oh, oh my man. God. Um, yeah. So it. Mr. Mr. Monopoly or un- rich Uncle Pennybags. Right. I was think of the top hat like he's he wears the top hat so like if you're going to be like a rich real estate tycoon like mr monopoly you gotta be the top hat right to me it was the only it was the only piece that made any sense like why the fuck would i want to be a battleship like what does that have anything to do with real, <laughs> right. with real estate like i don't get it um but you know if i had if i couldn't get the top hat i would settle for the iron because nobody else ever wanted it and at least it's easy to pick up <laughs> right that's true <laughs> It's got a little handle. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, there's no story to this. It's just, you know, own Atlantic City. That's the point of the game. You're eventually, you're, the whole point is to buy properties, build houses, build hotels, like force other people to pay you so much rent that they go bankrupt. Then they mortgage their properties. You buy their properties. You own the whole board. <laughs> you own the entire city of Atlantic <laughs> City, New Jersey. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Fun for the whole family. <laughs> I'm starting. To, I'm starting to to understand why uh, why Lizzie Maggie wanted to make a game like this in the first place as <laughs> as like a as, as an educational lesson. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So so what do we do here? What? How do we take this game of like let's uh, let's elbow the other real estate uh, investors out of the way and become 
Mr. Pennybags, how do we c- come up with a plot and like what makes that interesting? I don't well, know. I think what we have to do is we have to look at this the same way we looked at stuff like Trouble um, and, you know, uh, Snakes and Ladders and stuff like that, where, you know, we're going to take core concepts and create a story because that's the main thing that this needs is a story. So and if we look at other, you know, uh, you know, board game to movie adaptations like Clue and Battleship, Clue at least <laughs> got it right, you yeah. know, where it's like, all right, yeah, it's basically the same premise as the board game but there's a lot of like narrative thrown in because it's a movie (laughs) and then with battleship it was just like i don't know aliens and rihanna like (laughs) (laughs) i mean in their defense you can sell a lot of tickets with aliens and rihanna (laughs) 100 percent true (laughs) unfortunately it didn't do much for their their uh for their aftermarket sale but you know originally um but yeah so what i'm thinking is we have we we focus this on kind of like um there was a lot of these movies in the 90s but very much like the you know you know fight the man kind of like community standing up together against uh you know evil corporations evil whatever like you know save the youth center type of plot line for like those 80s and 90s movies <laughs> <laughs> like you know exactly what i'm talking about oh my god i just had like one of those like core memory unlocked it's like yeah there was a whole genre of save the community center how right. did, how is that a genre <laughs> but it totally was because in the 80s that shit was happening and in the 90s we were dealing with the fallout it was like oh crap whole communities are getting fucked by these yeah. these rich assholes well, and so, also back in the 80s and 90s, just like you and me, like there was a whole generation of like latchkey kids who were just like feral children left to their own while both <laughs> of their parents worked full time jobs. And the community center was the only place you could go where like you probably weren't going to, you know, get shot or get shot up or, right. you know, or like someplace you could go and be relatively safe and hang out with other kids, you know. <laughs> it, yeah, 100 <laughs> percent. And, and break dance. And of course, you have to break dance. Well, of course. I mean, it's, it's at the community center. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what, what else are you going to do? at the community center but breakdance obviously of course <laughs> but so what i'm thinking is of course we're going to have our main character be named lizzie because it has to be has um, to be, yeah has to be so what i what i was thinking is like okay let, let's kind of let's try to figure out like i'm thinking again present day um especially considering all the current housing crises and all that stuff that's happening oh yeah um so what if we have our you know our main character lizzie she's she's a savvy businesswoman um maybe like again we could have it just take place in new jersey because it doesn't have to be atlantic city but just have it be mm-hmm. in new jersey um let's say she owns like a, a successful chain of like i don't know like coffee shops or you know like maybe like a coffee shop bakery type thing like she had one mm-hmm. and it started off you know it, it got good enough that she opened a couple other locations in the area and it's enough for like her and her family to survive on they're thriving they have several employees you know like it's it's helping the community that she lives in. She's living, you know, hap- a happy life, you know, being this it's entrepreneur. And we're going to have someone, uh, our villain, we'll have just name him Charles Darrow. Um, <laughs> yes. Fuck that you know, guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he comes in. He's got maybe he's like on a business trip, right? Stops in, gets a cup of coffee and like a scone, you know, and he's just like, oh, wow, this is really good. Like you, you have something here and he wants to buy her her business. Um, you know, okay. she refuses, she refuses like, no, no, I'm not interested. It's not for sale, blah, blah, blah. So, and now he's pissed because he's the type of guy that you don't say no to. He's that businessman. So he decides to look and see who owns the property 
in that neighborhood, like in okay. that part mm-hmm. of town. And he meets the Parker brothers, <laughs> <laughs> Milton and Bradley, because Hasbro owns both. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, didn't we have them in our trouble movie? <laughs> we did, and of course. <laughs> but so I mean, like, even if they're not named Milton Bradley, I just thought that was yeah, funny yeah. that I'm like, oh my god, Hasbro owns both Parker Brothers and Milton Bradley, so all of these board games are owned by the same parent company now. Yeah. Um. No, no, no. no I'm not saying we don't do that. We definitely do that. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> it's it's like an alternate reality shared universe kind of a thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's like our Arniverse, but with board games. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> But like, so the idea here is like they decide that since they can't buy her out, they'll do the next best thing and constantly raise the rent over the next couple of years in the surrounding area. So it's like systematically raising the rent until they force people out of their homes. So now Mm -hmm. this community gets destroyed by these fucking rich assholes who are like, you know, give us more of your money. Give us more of your money. Oh, you can't live in your home anymore. Okay, well that's fine. We'll just buy it from the bank. So they mm. buy out the homes, they bulldoze it, create a bunch of cheap apartments where they're basically, you know, raking people over the coals for half the living space with, you know, a bunch more money. So now they're raking in the cash. But, you know, that she maybe she can't afford to to operate her business there anymore, so she has no choice but to sell. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, he's going to buy it for less than he originally offered just as a way to kind of stick it to her. Um, so now they own and operate the area, you know, he takes her, her business nationwide and is extremely successful with it. Um, we have the Parker brothers have bulldozed this, you know, once thriving community and turned it into a bunch of like rundown, you know, tenement apartments that they're just charging people an arm and a leg to live in. So what I, I think would be the next, like the next step is have Lizzie be like, all right, you know what? Screw you guys. I'm going to start over. I'm smart. I've, I've created this this thriving business. I'm going to do what I can with what I have. So she takes her her knowledge of like how she was making her her coffee and baked goods and all that and decides to, to get a loan, personal loan. You know, so this is where we get into the whole like bank loan stuff from the game. Mm-hmm. Um, get a personal loan out. She starts an online business. So making like maybe like artisanal coffee and, and baked goods and doing like, you know, cool little um like handmade satchels and stuff like, mm-hmm. you know, little like so it, it's it's kind of almost like adds like a little, little level uh, level of collectability and like almost that um that Etsy shop kind of flavor that people tend sure. to like. Mm-hmm. Um, so and she brings aboard the people who were run out of out of their own homes, like she starts getting them to help her as her business starts to grow. So we have her uh, like slowly start to get more and more wealth. She starts to, to you know, kind of build her business up um so now what she does is once she's turning a profit she starts to buy up some of the real estate in the surrounding area you know starts to create affordable housing uh taking business away from the parkers and the Dar- and darrow by people moving out of their apartment buildings into her like into the areas that she owns that are now affordable housing mm-hmm. um, and then as she's gathered more and more people i think it'd be cool if we took like the community chest idea Mm-hmm. And created this almost like, again, like kind of a community garden type of idea with the community chest where it's like, all right, everybody's helping each other out. What if we do something like we're all going to pitch in for this thing where it's like, oh, you're you know, you have unexpected medical bills. We got you. We're going to help you out with the community chest. When you get back on your feet, you help us out. That kind of a thing. So the community chest idea is this community working together to help each other with all that. 
So, of course, you know, the, the slumlords are not going to like this. And we're going to have this battle between, like, who can who can raise the most, uh, who can, who can own the most property in this area quicker. I don't know where we go from there, but I think that the idea would be that eventually Lizzie would uh, would end up being more wealthy with her online business than she was with her original brick and mortar stores. And she ends up helping the community more by buying back a bunch of the uh, mm-hmm. the area and creating a more affordable housing. And because now she has the money to do it, she can fuck over these these asshole businessmen. Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. I think that's a good a good framework. And I, I like that we're kind of bringing in characters like Lizzie and Charles Darrow. Um, Cause honestly, like my kind of hail Mary for this is if we get totally stuck, like we can just do like a biopic on Lizzie Maggie versus Charles Darrow and like the battle over, you know, the, the intellectual property of the monopoly game, you know what I mean? Right. Like, <laughs> which in and of itself could be an interesting story, but the story kind of already exists. We kind of told it a little bit already and we could, you know, dramatize like, you know, their legal battles and, you know, and this and that. But I think this is kind of interesting, but yeah, it definitely makes me think about, we need to have some kind of a uh, villainous acts, right? There's gotta be some kind of a drama, right? We need some conflict, oh, yeah. right? So I like this idea. We, we kind of start off the story with, yeah, so she has this business. Like you said, I don't want to, you know, summarize everything, but at a certain point there has to, we have to kind of jump in, in time a bit, as you mentioned, right? Like mm-hmm. these, we could even have maybe like a montage of like, like at the beginning of the movie, lean on me when you see the high school go from this, like, oh, you know, yep. pristine, like, you know, uh, suburban like white school into like it's a it's totally like this uh, spray painted like slum you know mm-hmm. um, and you know while welcome to the jungle plays you know <laughs> Man, I, I love that movie I forgot about that movie <laughs> I fucking love that that's why I love Morgan Freeman so much same <laughs> yeah so we, we kind of see the whole neighborhood fall apart right exactly so they buy out the they buy out the houses and like the businesses around her they're purposely trying to drive people out they mm-hmm. want to drive they want to drive the property values down they they want it to be a slum they want it to you know to go downhill because they're going to drive the property value down they're, while they're raising rent uh, they're going to force uh, homeowners out because suddenly their properties are like value less. You can came and sell these things except to, Hey, we're the only buyers in town, you know, and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll pay you real money to get out of here. Uh, and then eventually you're going to have houses that are just straight up like condemned, right? The city is going to come and bulldoze them for free, right? These mm-hmm. slumlords aren't going to have to pay for it. So cha-ching there, they're going to build these like ugly, um, like concrete, you know, condos and apartments, like low-income housing, charge way too fuck, too much fucking money. And before you know it, this beautiful neighborhood of these, like, nice, like, single-family homes and duplexes is, like, this concrete, uh, you know, repetition of, like, ugly apartment after ugly apartment after ugly apartment. And, you know, all the surrounding businesses are just, you know, not, not to stereotype, but all the businesses are, like, pawn shops and liquor stores, right? Right, right. Um, the, the community has died out. <laughs> Yeah, completely. So he's trying to force, you know, the 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 long the long term plan, right? Is you know, it's it's exactly it's it's the slow the slow game, right? The long con of like, mm-hmm. fine, you don't you don't want to sell me your business, you don't want to sell me your success. I'm patient enough to get it anyway, right? And so yeah, to your point, like, so she gets out of there. She you know she, she's not going to be beaten down by the fact that she lost her business. Hey. It ha- shit happens. Try again. She goes online, like you said. She maybe 
you mentioned like handcrafted bags or something like that. Maybe mm. that's what it is. Is she, she there's something to her the secret to her success, the secret to her coffee shop slash bakery, whatever, something that she has that is either collectible or really, really desirable that when she goes and sell it online, now she doesn't have the overhead. And so she Mm -hmm. can suddenly be making a lot more money. Right. So there has to be some, something we can kind of zero in on. Like, what is she making that is like so special that only she can make? It's, it's the thing that no matter what the Parker brothers or, you know, Mr. Hasbro or Mr. Darrow, like they can't ever take that thing because it's only hers. Right. right. Um, I'm not sure I, what that is yet. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, I don't know what we could, cause I'm trying to think of how we could tie that in with the game. Um, Wait, so, so let's let's look at like the little tokens. We were just talking a lot about like the battleship and the T-Rex and the race car and the top hat and right. all that. Like, is there something there? I don't know what it is. You know, hell, it could just be like her special recipe for her like Scotty dog scones, you know? Like, right. Maybe that's all it is, right? People love yeah. these fucking Scotty dog scones. That, oh, perfect. Per- okay. So let, let's let's have she has a pet Scotty dog. So we're going we're going to have that in there because there, there has to be a scene because we're, we're going to be doing like, you know, a kind of a comedic movie. We have mm-hmm. to have a scene where, like, you know, Daro is giving her shit and the Scotty dog, like, pisses on his shoe so we can get the shoe and the Scotty dog in there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We, gotta have something like that. But, yeah, no, I like that. Like, so it's specifically, uh, like, her brand of, of baked goods or whatever. You know, it's it's a special recipe, um, you know, and, and it's, it's very, like, maybe it's, like, her grandma's recipe or something. Like, it's a, a close-kept, you know, secret and people just can't get enough of these fucking things. Plus, like, I like the idea of her doing, like, little handcrafted, like, almost like a like a gift baggie. Like, you know, one of those, like, okay, drawstring yeah. bags? Like, mm-hmm. I, I know in Home Ec, like, that's the first thing they teach you how to sew is a drawstring bag. But what if yeah. she's doing, like, these little cool, like, drawstring bags? Each one is unique. You know, they're all handmade. Um, they have, like, you know, her little emblem stitched on them and stuff like that. And then she puts all of her baked goods and her coffee and stuff in there. So it's, it kind of gives, like, that that home touch to to what people are buying so they're they're willing to buy like maybe a little bit more pricey than going down to the chain place but it's like you know there's it's it's tasty it's good it's it's not like this other like you know mass-produced bullshit plus you get this cool little bag with it or something i don't know like just i i know personally i'm more apt to buy from an individual creator when they do that when they give that little bit of home flair than i am to buy from like you know a, a big producer so yeah, yeah yeah definitely definitely and and we've seen it happen especially in urban areas like how many trends are there for like you know weird baked goods like you know cronuts and things like right that, right you know? like it, it seems like it happens all the time you know um the muffin tops or whatever you know right <laughs> um you, you, it seems like you hear about them you know constantly like the unicorn donuts or whatever the hell they are and yeah. uh yeah yeah so i think that's good so we have these sort of like you know scotty scones or whatever they're called you know patterned after her own little scotty donuts dog and um hell maybe the sky dog's name is like ironically like money bags you know that would be kind of funny you oh, know <laughs> wait, wait 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 i'm sorry to interrupt but i i got i got a fucking idea okay so we're talking about these these like handcrafted uh you know small small like baked goods online that become a trend mm-hmm. we're, we're totally missing a huge opportunity since we're setting it in modern day so we have a fucking you know tiktok or youtube uh instagram influencer named uncle Pennybags, 
And he's like, you know, he's calling himself Uncle Pennybags because he's like, yeah, I don't got a lot of money. It's literally like instead of money bags, I got fucking pennies, you know. And he's (laughs) like, here's what you can get that's pretty damn awesome if you don't got a lot of cash. And like he highlights stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He highlights stuff like that. And he does a story about Lizzie and he's like, look at this chick. You know, she she started off with this this, you know, great coffee shop ends up getting screwed over by a, you know, by a bunch of asshole real estate agents, you know, and picked herself up and made this brand new, you know, the Scotty dog scones, <laughs> like brings it up and she gets inundated with business. Like she just gets flooded with it. So that yeah, is, that's go. how she gets all of it. Cause un- uh, uncle Pennybags did a piece <laughs> on her. And now she's able to like grab people who were also screwed over by the Parkers and by, mm-hmm. you know, by Darrow and be like, Hey, I need help. I can't meet demands. So she mm-hmm. starts hiring these people, giving them, you know, a livable wage because now she's making so much fucking money. And that's how they start buying back the community. OK, yeah, there you go. This is good. This is good. So what if what if the first thing that she does is, yeah, exactly what you said, right? She's like, look, I need help. Like, I'm going to reach out to, you know, these other people, people who are coming up to me and recognizing me like, oh, girl, I saw you on TikTok, you know, and mm-hmm. right, and they want to help out. You know, they want to support her. They're going to buy scones, you know, for everyone in their family because, you know, they, plus, you know, uh, Pennybags like told everyone her story that, you know, like, oh, Darrow, you know, uh, Darrow Realty like pushed her out and, you know, and she didn't, you know, she didn't uh, fall over, you know, she didn't fall down and, you know, and, and she she jumped right back up and kept on going. And of course, all these other people in the neighborhood are like the Darrows, they fucked me over, too, you know, and mm-hmm. um Right. So it's kind of spreading word that way. So, yeah. So she she hires these people and she's like, well, what am I going to do? Like, you know, suddenly I have this big business, you know, and so there's a community center in the neighborhood that's shut down. Right. It's it's spray painted. It's graffitied. It's, you know, broken windows. It's a mess. Mm-hmm. And sh- and so um, but it's owned by the city, not by the Darrow uh, co- Realty Company. So, you know, she's like, well, it's a community center. It's just shut down because no one's running it. Well, we're the community. So what she does is she starts not a business, but she starts a community like action program, like a like a social club. Oh, call, OK. Right. So she calls it the community chest Right. And mm-hmm. it's, and it's like she literally has this like big treasure chest and she's like, everyone's going to come in here. We're going to we're going to clean up the community center. We're going to have a big montage. Right. With some mm-hmm. like, you know, some like pop song from the 90s. And <laughs> well, you got to have a montage. Got to have a montage. Right. They're going to clean it the, and they're going to they're going to they're going to put it. They're going to go in there and like, you know, they're going to clean up the kitchen from the community center and they're going to they're going to turn it into the that's where she's going to do her business. But because it's it's a community center, it's like a owned by the city. She can't just run her business out of there so she's like you know what this is a not-for-profit as of today right because ah, okay because she, she's not like darrow like looking for the bucks she's trying to help the community so she's like everyone who comes down here and helps me out and so she still owns the cookies but she's like we're gonna have the community chest is gonna have a special you know like you know scotty dog scone you know uh sale and it's going to be like we're going to have like a yard sale and we're going to have like an open mic and we're going to have like a whole community, like, mm-hmm. a, like, like a party day. And we're going to have a special limited edition Scotty Dog sitting in a top hat or whatever version of the of the, you know, of the uh, the scone just for the weekend. Right. So, so it's like she's like she's licensing it to the community. But right. really what she's what she's trying to do is she's getting help for her own business and she's, you know, raising some money. And she's basically giving a big finger to the Darrow's like you can't you can't touch us over here. You know, mm-hmm. 
which um, would have to lead to to Darrow and the Parkers getting her arrested on some kind of trumped up charges where then the community has they bail her out using the the community chest. Yeah, so it's exactly yeah, that's exactly where I was going. I'm glad you said nice. that because okay, so first we have to have some like comedic attempts at like sabotage. You know what I mean? Like like the Parker brothers are like the freaking you know like uh, Harry and Mar from Home Alone, and they're gonna like sneak in and like you know the Sky Dog's gonna bite one of them in the ass, and they're gonna you know like <laughs> you know what I mean like someone some someone from the community who was like you know oh I forgot my purse, and they're gonna come in and see them sneaking in. And they're going to be like, you know, and they're going to go and pull like a prank on them. Like they're going to dump them like, you know, they're going to dump a bucket of water and then a bag of flour on them. And haha, you know, and, you know, I mean, it's it, it, right. sort of this, this comedic level of like slapstick, you know, sabotage. And then we're going to get back at these guys and kick them out of here. And like, we know what you did, you know, old Mandero. <laughs> you know? Beating him with a purse. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, yeah. So there's going to be these like sort of failed, these repeated the. The Parker brothers are, you know, doofuses, right? They're going to repeatedly fail at trying to sabotage the the big party day, the big com- community, you know, awareness day or whatever from happening. So, yeah, so then Daryl's going to get some trumped up charge about how, oh, she's misappropriating like city property to have a run a private business and embezzling the money from the community. And of course, there's going to be some people in the community who are going to be like, oh, no, like, you know, she betrayed us and. And they're going right. to believe the Darrow's and turn on her. But, of course, th- there's got to be some, like, sassy friend who's like, oh, no, girl, we ain't let you go down like that. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, you know, Lizzie, the real Lizzie, her last name is Maggie. Maggie. So how can we have – she has to have a friend named Maggie. And Maggie is, like, just a mom from the neighborhood who isn't going to roll over and take it. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Her <laughs> And Maggie's going to come over and be like, oh, you need some help? I'm going to call my cousins, you know, and you know what I mean? Like, and <laughs> pretty soon you have that you have. And yeah, so Lizzie's in 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 jail and they're going to try to get her out. But then the whole community comes out because they want to help. So now not just like the the six volunteers or whatever, but like everybody's coming out and they're cranking out cookies and they're selling them to everybody. And you got kids in like wagons taking them to like other neighborhoods and they're selling them for like, Oh, it's a special, like, you know, it's the top hat special. These ones are like, you know, 20 bucks each, but everyone knows it's like a fundraiser, you know? Right. And, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, it's always, and of course, Penny bags, penny bag. It's the penny bag special, right? That's exactly mm-hmm. that's perfect, right? And so go on TikTok, and everybody from the whole city's coming to buy them, and they sell like thousands of these things. They put, they literally put all the money into a literal like community chest, yeah. And they and they go down and they bail out Lizzie. But man, of course, it's a you know it's a like a family friendly you know kind of movie. So the truth is that they go way overboard and they make a lot of money, you know, yeah, like, like tens of thousands. Like they go crazy with this. To the point where what – so what I want to do and back up and help me get there because I'm, I'm going to jump ahead and spoil kind of where I was going, right? Okay. Because I got to figure out how to how to get there. What I want to do – and I mentioned, I mentioned the phrase secret of my success earlier, and that rang a, a, a bell for my brain. The light bulb went off, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking of the movie from 1987, Michael J. Fox comedy, The Secret of My Success. I don't know. If, are you familiar with this movie? Do you know I this have one? seen it, but I haven't seen it in a long time. 
it's one of my favorite movies from the 80s. It's one of my favorite like yuppie movies because there was a lot of movies like this in the 80s. You know, things like Wall Street and, and where it was like the sort of the lesson, the greed is good lesson of like if you play your cards right and you're a good enough businessman, like anyone can like, come out on top in like that, you know, in the Big Apple. Um, right. But this one was sort of told, you know, for laughs. And so, yeah, Michael J. Fox, he basically he he tricks this company into thinking that he is this new uh, like stock trader or whatever that they hired and he's pretending oh, to yeah. be this guy and he actually works in the mailroom and it's this like sort of slapstick comedy where he's constantly having to change his clothes in the elevator or whatever from like yep. the, mail, the mailroom uniform into his like his power suit you know and he and he's like staying up late night and like reading all these business books and like learning how to you know be this big you know uh, day trader or whatever it is and the the owner of the of the this big corporation is that this guy's kind of corrupt and his wife falls in love with the guy from the mailroom who the CEO was like, you know, he just he ordered some random peon to go and give my wife a ride or whatever, right? The guy from the mailroom. So mm. he so he ends up getting this in with like the CEO's wife. He learns all these like secrets of the business. Long story short, using her money. And his like business acumen, they secretly buy up some of the other investors and then they own more than half the company and they do like a takeover and they kick the 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 sneering, snide, mustache twirling CEO out of there, you know, <laughs> right. Um, and so it's like, yeah, I mean, here's here's this young guy through, you know, his by pulling up his own bootstraps, you know, he becomes this big CEO of a giant, you know, like multinational company in New York City. Um, but what I'm thinking is like, it's sort of, we have this diversion tactic where like what the Darrows are, are or what Darrow, Mr. Darrow is seeing is the community raising money to get Lizzie out of jail and to fix up the community center. And like, yeah, whatever, like, what's that really going to do? You know, like, yeah, right. the community, they don't like me, but they, what are they going to do? Buy their houses back? They're fucking broke. You know, they can't do that. So what's really happening is that they're raising this money the community chest isn't just like a treasure chest and it's not just the community center nickname or the name or whatever. It's a, it's a trust. It's a, it's an actual, like an LLC that Lizzie puts together with Maggie's ah. help and they put all the money into it. Right. And everybody in the community owns this trust. And so what they do is they, they start buying up, uh, no, they start buying up Darrow's, not his properties, but his investors, Right. So like, oh, OK, I like this. So where I was going, with that's why I said I got to spoil the ending, because what I want to say is like the big twist is going to be Darrow's like, you know, well, you can't, you know, what good did, did, did this all do? You can't. Buy, I still own your houses. I own your business. I own your, you know, your strip mall. I own everything. <laughs> and then Lizzie's like, well, actually, you know, like, yes. I, I, you're like, you may still own all of the businesses, but I own you. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know <laughs> oh i love it i love it oh man so okay so i mean they would have to have a lot of money to do that so i mean as far as like the the fundraiser i feel like the fundraiser scene we, we would do that to get them to get her out of jail mm -hmm. um but like we would have to figure out some kind of way uh for them to like I don't know if they're they're gonna be investing or, or what but they because they would have to to raise a lot of cash 
Um, yeah, and I think that's the social media aspect is exactly the right thing because the whole, yeah, I think the lesson here is like, are we talking about like one person or one company hoarding money and property for itself? Like, what's better? Is it that that or is it like a a community? Not just a neighborhood, but like a, right. a is it all of the people, capital T, capital P, you know, right. coming to, coming together to help each other for the greater good of everybody. And I think the lesson is, well, of course, like shared wealth is better than the one percent, right? Absolutely. So I think the social media aspect is that's the key to the whole fucking story. As soon as you said that, it was like, oh shit, like we're definitely going down the right path because yeah, penny bags gets them some much needed spotlight to sell the Scotty dog cookies to mm-hmm. renovate the, renovate the community center, get Lizzie out of jail. Maybe there's some other people in the neighborhood where they're like, fuck, like we really need, like we really want to like, you know, buy this lady's house back from Darrow, but like so-and-so needs to get bailed out or so-and-so's car broke down or like, you know, Oh, we got to send, you know, we got to send, uh, you know, Jerome on the, the band trip to the state finals or whatever, you know what I mean? It's like, so they're constantly giving the money away and then having to kind of like struggle for more, you know what I mean? Cause I want to kind of teach the lesson of like, they're not, it's not just about revenge. It really is about the people, you know what I mean? And the revenge is like, the cherry on top, <laughs> you know, dude. Oh, okay. Hold, hold up. I, I, I got it. Okay. So the penny bags thing that, Oh my God, I can't believe it, it was like fucking staring me in the face and I didn't even see it. I, I forget the TikToker's name, but there's this, this TikTok guy. Uh, he's also an MMA fighter, which is kind of crazy, but he goes around and he reviews local restaurants. Like that's his whole thing is he reviews yeah. local restaurants. You know, know what I'm talking guy. about? Yeah. 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 yeah I know that guy. And he actually has like a TV show coming out. But he's gotten so much uh, like clout by being an honest, open reviewer that like people will flood whatever business in their area that he has reviewed. And there were like a couple videos where like people were talking about like how their entire lives were changed because of his one review where now mm-hmm. they have like lines literally down the street all day long. And it's like they can't keep up with business because it's like there are so many people that want their food. So it's like they they suddenly have blown up. And then and now he teamed up with that uh what's his name? Mr. Beast, I think is his yeah, name. Yeah. But no, yeah. another YouTuber who who's basically doing that kind of a thing. So what if what if Pennybags, like he's that level. He's like Mr. Beast level wealthy kind of influencer and mm-hmm. he's done that by finding these disenfranchised or like screwed over companies and is like trying to Put the spotlight on him, help him out a little bit, like get people noticing. And that's how he's slowly amassed his his wealth. But what if he invests in her? He's like, you know what? I see this, this, you know, how good this is and what you guys have done. He's like, you know what? You keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to invest in it. And so now he's like the silent partner. Yeah. You know, and like, so now they got a lot of money. No, you're, sorry, I got all excited. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so uh, Keith Lee is that guy's name. I just Googled Keith it. Lee, Keith thank Lee, thank you. Yeah, yeah, Keith Lee, yeah. Okay, so check out this cool scene I just thought of. This would be a good, like, dramatic scene, right? So, yeah, you have Lizzie, like, bailed out of jail, and she's, like, you know, on TikTok, and she's seeing, you know, uh, Penny Bags is like, oh, you know, follow up to my video about the Scotty Dog cookies. Like, you'll never guess. And she's, like, he's he's doing, like, an update. Like, everyone go out and buy the cookies. And while she's at her lowest, because she's, like, all the money's gone. You know what I mean? They bailed me out. We gave the money to the people in the neighborhood. We fixed the community center. You know, maybe fucking Daryl burned it down. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like the fucking Parker brothers, like they burned the damn community center down and their one act of sabotage that worked. And now she, cause you have to have this low moment. You have to have like, you know, the rock bottom, right? At the end of mm-hmm. act two, right? So she's on TikTok, like tearing up, washing paint bags, boost her business. And she's like, well, what am I going to do now? The community center is gone. Like I can't even make the damn cookies, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, and then she gets a met, like a, like a, like an, uh, like a DM, right. From penny bags. Like, what's this? And she goes on and he's like, you know, um, I'm not sure if it works on TikTok. Maybe he's just like, hey, like, you know, or maybe he sends her like a like a Zoom call. Better better yet, yeah, he sends her like a Zoom call request. And she's like, oh, shit, I was just watching you. And he's like, oh, you know, he's like, I love your cookies. He's like, screw those guys. I heard what happened. I want to invest, you know. And she's like, yeah, but, you know, it's going to take a lot of money to, like, rebuild everything. He's like, I'm not just talking about one building, honey. Like, I'm talking about, like, you know, whatever. Like, he's got, there's a bigger picture here. Like, just Mm -hmm. wait, wait, hear my plan. Oh, and by the way, I have some friends and then the zoom call goes like and then someone else pops on the screen and it's like you know Mr Beast and someone else pops on the screen right. and it's like you're right. <laughs> and someone else someone else pops on the screen and someone else pops and then pretty soon you know it there's like this whole tile of like 10 by 10 people on the screen who are like we got you girl we got money we're coming you know and nice. they all they all join the community chest which is like this trust that they formed right and that's how when you know uh, then they have the, they have the big party. You know, Daryl comes out himself. He's he's pulling down balloons and like you know <laughs> taking taking ice cream cones away from the little kids and you know being very sort of comical, right? And we, he's, he's <laughs> the dad in Footloose. There's no dancing in this town. <laughs> exactly right. Right, and they have this like they have this whole standoff. And like I said, we kind of fast forward a little bit, right? And it kind of ends with like he's like, well, you know, you may have had your fun, you may have raised a little bit of money, but like I still own everything, you know. And then you see. Here comes Pennybags, like in person. He walks up behind him. He's like, well, actually. (laughs) (laughs) And then that's when Lizzie is like, you know, hey, well, you know what? She's like, you might, you know, you might own the neighborhood, but I own you. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) That's awesome. And of course, what is what did they do is after they, you know, they buy out Darrow, they they do like a, you know, hostile takeover of his whole like, you know, real estate empire. Suddenly they own that neighborhood and this neighborhood and that neighborhood. They own like half the fucking city all over the place. And what do they do? They decide they're going to sell all the property back to the people who live there. Rock bottom, dirt cheap prices. They're going to give everybody a loan out of the community chest. No interest, you know, no time limit. Everyone's going to own their own property. Everybody who contributed is going to get a piece of the pie. Oh, I love it. I love it because because <laughs> this like per, that's that's fucking perfect because it's it's exactly what the original game was talking about like the evils of this type of uh, uh, the, the evils of what Darrow Darrow and Parker Brothers did. Yeah, you know. And it's like, and it has the happy outcome. Like, you know, not enough movies have a damn happy ending these days. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I, I, I love how, like, you know, kind of like, yeah, it's very sort of like woke and sort of sort of trendy and like, you know, and TikTok culture-y. But I think that's fun. I think it's a really good way for you and I, who are so so mired in like the 80s and 90s, to do something kind of like fun and interesting. And it, again, it, and, and kind of bring, yeah, bring back that style of movie that like, you know, that community versus the man, you know. Right. 
<laughs> cleaning up the community center, cleaning up the school, the lean on me shit. But it's very, very modern, very much of like what's happening today. And, right. you know, and and ultimately, like it 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 shows yeah, the yeah the evils of like what can happen with these billionaire one percenter douchebags that, you know, Elon Musk might, you know, put on a good face. But everybody knows that he's just a douchebag who steals ideas from people. Oh, absolutely. And and that's the thing that the whole greed is good of the 80s has corrupted entire generations of people into thinking like, you know, fuck everybody else. I got to get mine. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we all have to survive, but it's like at what cost? You know, like you, you can't you can't basically con- continuously steal from everybody around you. Mm-hmm. And expect there to still be people living around you, you know, like it's 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 unfortunate that that's where we are in the, in this country. And again, not to try to get all, all uh, you know, political on this, but like there there's unfortunately such a disparity for people that, you know, people are fighting to survive. So something like this, it really taps into that what, that I think a lot of people are feeling. <laughs> yeah, know, like, mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like most of the country is feeling this. <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree. And, and and I just thought of something interesting that I think would be a fun, like minor, very, very minor subplot. But it would kind of also show things like that. There's there's always like many layers. There's always gray areas. And this even in this like silly slapstick comedy with like, you know, Scotty dogs, you know, peeing on, you know, <laughs> terrible burglars. Like but like there was always these sort of like lessons to learn. But there was always like, yeah, but like the world is still fucked up and like the world isn't perfect. And we can't just, you know, celebrate and feel like we won every battle. Anyway, so my point is like. I think it'd be interesting. And you mentioned this whole idea of like, you know, like, you know, everyone's out for themselves. Got to get mine. Got to get paid. Well, mm-hmm. what if Ma- what if Maggie, uh, you know, Lizzie's friend, like what if very, very early on in the movie, you know, while Maggie's trying to help Lizzie, you know, we find out that Maggie's son is like, you know, he's like a gangbanger. Right. He's out there. He's selling mm. drugs. And, you know, he's got this like gang of like, you know, dangerous dudes he's hanging out with. And every and then, you know, he comes to the community center at one point, you know, like begrudgingly. And Maggie is trying to get him to like, you know, help her with something. And he's just like, you know, fuck that. And all he wants to do is, is ask Lizzie about these cookies. And he, he's so excited that she's making all this money because his whole demeanor is like, I got to get paid. You know, that's all mm-hmm. he cares. That's all he cares about. Like, how do I make some money? What do I what's what's in this for me, mom? You know, and. And then we so we see him maybe one or two more times and he's always just like, y'all, you know, you people are stupid out here just giving your money away. Like you got to like look out for number one. But of course, later on during like the big climactic like celebration, the big party, he's got to show up. Right. He doesn't say shit. He just walks up to Maggie, doesn't say shit, pulls out this big old wad of cash with like a rubber band around it. And he just puts it in the chest. He looks at Lizzie, gives her the little chin up, like, you know, nod and just walks away. Like, you know, he's like, we didn't solve the problem of him out there selling drugs. And that was definitely like, you know, dirty money. Mm -hmm. But but he's getting there, you know, and I think that would be a really cool little thing to throw in. Yeah, no, I agree. I like I like that. And like how maybe we can even have something, uh, you know, like we can we can play this up a little bit with some of the guys he knows, like mm. maybe uh, some of the some of the guys like because you got you got to have the comic relief. Uh, maybe <laughs> some of some of the guys are the like two of the the thugs that Darrow hires to like, <laughs> you know, break into the, the building and try to like screw stuff up, you know, but yeah. have them be like the, the complete, uh, you know, the complete moron characters. Yeah. Mm hmm. 
or maybe or, and, and maybe it's like one of his thug guys that got gets busted and you know you hear him saying he's like you know ah, fuck that fool he got busted he can sit in jail but mm-hmm. you know it's maggie and lizzie because because they're using their money for the community they go and they bail him out anyway you know what i mean because they're like yes. you know like people are stupid but we can't let someone who lives here someone from our backyard who we grew up with you know just go to jail like that we we, we got to help you know what i mean and maybe yeah. that's the, that maybe he just sees that you know and he's like you know it's it's a seed it's something it plants something in him and i think that that's an important thing to learn where it's not just like you know small business versus big business or like man versus woman or like poor mm-hmm. versus rich. But like it, it's a deeper issue and it, it takes time. Like it's not going to be solved overnight, but I think it's fun right. to throw that, throw that in there to show that there's, you know, it's a more complex you know concept. Plus let's be honest, all of life is gray areas, you know, like, I mean, it, it, very, very few things in life are strictly black and white. Like there's gray areas everywhere and like, yes, we can when we're talking broad strokes, like the evils of like the one percent versus everybody else. Yes, <laughs> right. that's black and white. But what I'm saying is like there there are always going to be those, those areas where it's like, yeah, people have done some shitty things, but they're trying to change, you know, that kind yeah. of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and like, yeah. I think I think this highlights that where you have this kid who has done some shitty things that he feels he has to do to survive. And his mindset is, you know, fuck everybody else. I got to get mine. Like, I'm, I got to look out for number one. But slowly he's seeing there's another way. There's another way to look at it. And maybe the people you thought were idiots aren't as dumb as you thought they were. You know, and maybe you don't have to be the bad guy. You know, maybe mm-hmm. you can learn to be better. Like, I, I like that because it does show that gray area and kind of like mm-hmm. plays in that world a little bit. Because it, too much stuff nowadays is, is, is cut and dry. And it's like, eh, it's not always like that. It's yeah, really, yeah, exactly. Life is muddy. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and even if he never changes, right? Even if Maggie's son never changes, at least he got to see the power of what, you know, the average people, the community can do, right? The 99 percenters. He got to see that it's important to look out for your own people, right? To look out for the the people around you, the people in your neighborhood, the people in your family. Like looking out for other people is not weakness and foolish, but like if if you know it can be done and, and it can be really really helpful you know to everybody um and you know and always looking out for number one like you know that's not always that's not always the right lesson so yeah I don't yeah. want to change this character I don't want him to have a story arc other than you know that silent little nod that water cash and he's out of there like that's it like just leave yeah. him alone you know yeah and and yeah. I feel that that that's that's enough that it actually like I said it it highlights that fact that that real mm-hmm. life gets muddy. You know, yeah, that like 100%. You, you, you can be both good and bad. Everybody has that capability. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and and you can't you're not going to solve all the world's problems like overnight, you know, either too. like there's always something else and something else. And, you know, there's mm-hmm. other other ills out there and other things the community is going to face besides, you know, uh, the rich guy who came in and tried to own everything. But there's there's other things out there, you know, that are going to face the community and they're going to join together and they're going to beat the next challenge. You know, mm-hmm. and so I think that's interesting. But yeah, man, like this is a weird one. You know, we always say very often, especially when we do these board game ones where it's like, fuck, man, this is the one where we're going to crash and burn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I, dude, I 100% was just like, I hope you have an idea because if this were me on here solo, I would have just given up. I would have, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I would have just been like, okay, well, I guess we're doing a biopic about Lizzie Maggie, you know? <laughs> no, I actually really liked how this came together because 
one of the things I was thinking about last night when I was I was writing down some notes and some ideas, because um, I, was, I was sitting at work and, and I just had this. I've had it on my brain for a couple of weeks now, um, but I've, I've been kind of like putting the pieces together. And last night at work, I was sitting there going like, OK, well, what type of movie should it be? Like, I got I, I understand that it should be about like the rise and fall of somebody's business. And then like that that redemption arc of like coming back, you know, picking yourself up by the bootstraps and and, and you know. Be, becoming wealthy again but what's the point like how do we get there and it wasn't until i started reading about the history of the game and mm. saw how badly lizzie got screwed over and like what the whole point was that i'm like man i remember those old movies in like the 80s and 90s like you know where it's like oh they're gonna shut down the youth center and like you know <laughs> that's like that's when it clicked for me that i'm like oh the community versus the man how did i not see this like yeah and I'm so glad you said that too, because like I said, I did not have that. I, when I when I went came into this original idea, when we first started talking about this, I was just assuming that we were going to do an updated version of Trading right. Places. Right? Yep, yeah, same. With, right, Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. And I thought, yeah, that's all it is. It'll just be sort of Trading Places Part Two, or like a remake of it with this Monopoly, you know, veneer <laughs> over the top of it. You know, we'll kind mm-hmm. of use the Monopoly, uh, you know, the terminology and the wording and some of the. We'll have some little Easter eggs from the game, but it'll just be sort of Trading Places, but you know, with this uh, sort of real estate tycoon who gets like you know cast down into poverty and has to like you know pull himself back up to greatness again through his you know his uh his keen wit and his you know training and know-how <laughs> and his determination to be on top you know mm-hmm. but yeah at, at the same time i'm like i don't want to tell that story you know like yeah. that, that's a shitty story i mean i could have done it you know but that's not really what i want to do plus i don't really know enough about the real estate market to really understand like how you know mortgage futures and stuff work you know like i wouldn't have <laughs> right. been able to talk you know authoritatively about that to really understand like well how does our character get back on top i don't know but i just figured we would muddle through and but yeah i'm really happy with the way the way this went and i like this genre i don't know that we've done this before this sort no. of like Family-friendly, like uh, almost like a social activism comedy. You know, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Like breaking. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly it. And the funny thing is, like, I'm sitting here going, "Wow, this is not only is it a departure for us, but like, it, it is the type of movie we just don't see anymore. Where it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. it's kind of a feel-good comedy with a message. Yeah, <laughs> like." We don't really see that shit anymore. So this definitely took a turn in directions that I was not expecting. Uh, but I I know I say it all the time, but man, I really I'm really happy with how this came out. Like, I, yeah, I really like too. hopefully the listeners agree with us, because uh, I, I would love to tackle more of these board games because um, I feel yeah. like every time we do, they're fun. You yeah. know, and, and what it is, too, is it's because we're really forced to stretch those creative muscles because mm-hmm. you can take an existing property, like our last episode when we talked about weird science, where it's like, okay, there's already a story here, and it's it's fun to extrapolate where that goes in the sequel or the prequel or whatever, and that's what we do. Right? We have a good time with it, but yeah. there's already uh, the the structure is already in front of us. Like we don't have to invent it, you know, out of you know nothing. Like Ex nihilo, you know. <laughs> right. But when we do these board games like Trouble and Snakes and Ladders, I mean, outside of like a couple of names, you know, and a couple of you know very very loose guidelines based on the rules, 
it's completely out of you know nowhere it's completely right. from scratch and i really like that because it's like you know i like i prefer the challenge of it's really it's a challenge it's almost like a it's a psychological game it's like okay here's a couple of completely random concepts like you know here's this lady from like the 1900s and like work a treasure chest in there somehow and there's got to be this like rich guy and a scotty dog and go <laughs> <laughs> you know, <Yep. laughs> and it's like what, what what okay fine and yeah it's just really it's, it's almost like the you know it's like a battle rap it's like how do we work all these weird elements in right. it and make it make sense you know well, and i mean and it's funny because like if you look at the ones we've covered it's like okay trouble we took a a very simple board game idea and turned it into a sci-fi horror movie like where it's like an evil computer ai and like you know and then the the second one we took snakes and ladders and turned it into like high fantasy (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and those are some of my favorite episodes you know like the the trouble one is definitely in my you know top five at least if not top three just in terms of like it's a fun movie that i want to see and it was like such a i thought i'll just go ahead and say it that i thought just thought it was a creative victory like we took almost nothing and made this amazing cool sci-fi story that i want to see so bad i want to see that movie (laughs) you know and (laughs) and then the snakes and ladders as an episode i don't think it was the best one but as an idea taking this extremely rudimentary game and coming up mm-hmm. with this like you know again this high fantasy concept with this mythology that we as americans aren't we don't normally see in our fiction and it was so much fun and it oh, was like yeah. and it was like it's the kind of it that was the that's the one of the few that we've done where i felt like nobody's done that before it was one of those yeah. ideas where it's like it's one of those I, I hesitate to say a million dollar ideas but you know those ideas when you see a movie and you're like god damn it why didn't i think of this it's so obvious it's right in my yep. face how come <laughs> i didn't think of that and that's how i feel with snakes and ladders where it was like it was like well of course we would use this like you know uh indian subcontinent mythology and as soon as it clicked i'm like god damn like this is such a good idea right and that's it's it's crazy how that keeps happening because now we, we've done it yet again with we took Monopoly and turned it into like a feel good family inner city, you know, coming of coming to power kind of comedy. Like it's, yeah. it's bizarre how that that happens. Like, so I'm just going to go ahead and say it, you know, coming next summer, Uno, the romantic comedy. No, I'm, just <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm joking. Don't hold mm, me to that. <laughs> mm, I don't know. We'll get, let's think about that. Damn. Uno <laughs> reverse card, bitches. Like. <laughs> He's really gay, you know? <laughs> exactly. Oh, shit, the draw four is going to be crazy. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, okay. man. I'm just going to pitch this here because I know we got to wrap this up. But all right. Guess who as like a murder mystery. That's uh, okay. I mean, done. 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 It's on the list, dude. It's on the list. Fuck. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Does the killer wear glasses? Yes. Yes. <laughs> It's oh on my the list. god! Oh god, we're doing it. We're doing it. Oh, um, oh god, yeah. This is you know, and I, I want to say my last comment about this is I am it's all of the horror that we do and all of the darkness that we go to. We, we joked about it in like our last what dozen episodes almost, <laughs> where we always somehow end up going dark. And I really like the fact that a game like Monopoly, I just assumed that a story was going to be cynical. 
but we went somewhere like happy with it. We went somewhere yeah. positive, and I, I, I just I just gotta say like I'm getting a little bit emotional like I know because I'm too. like I'm like I'm really happy that we were able to do that and to not always be so dark all the time and to be a little bit like vulnerable and positive and like you know we're always such like you know dour serious people <laughs> but you know we all like we all like watching movies with the underdog wins and you tear up a little bit and pretend you didn't you know what yep. I mean like and, and I'm and I'm glad we were able to do that with I know it's a pretty basic idea we barely named any characters or you know we didn't really lay out our three act structure all that strongly but like you know people I think people get the message and like dude yeah. I would love to watch a movie like this and like have my kids watch it too right and, and you know and honestly I feel like what 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 raised by rentals has become is basically the elevator pitch the podcast you know it's it's kind of we are we are <laughs> like creating that. yeah i mean it's it's like we're creating the 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 bare bones the the, ele- the what is the elevator pitch of like we're pitching a movie and you know yeah sometimes we get into the nitty gritty like i do feel slasher camp is one of our strongest episodes and and <laughs> i love it and i feel like that's definitely my favorite of the bunch but again i'm biased i love slasher movies but it, it we did get into the nitty gritty. Like we had characters named out. We had like what would happen next. Like we we played around with that. But most of our episodes are like this. Where like Weird Science was like this. Where we're like, okay, here's the basic concept. Here's a few things we absolutely have to have happen. You know, here's the overarching story. But we didn't delve down into like a scene by scene, blow by blow structure. And we've only done that a few times. Most of the time, it is it reads like an elevator pitch. You know, yeah, and, and, totally. and we'll keep with that. Yeah, I am too. You know, and I think as we go along, I'm more and more comfortable with doing that, with being looser with the idea, because the whole challenge is this improv, right? This improv storytelling rather than improv comedy. It's what can we come up with in the moment and can we bring it all together in the end? And it's like, yeah. yeah we don't always have to hit every note the same every single time. Sometimes we have every scene just boom, 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 boom. And we know exactly where, where we're going. <laughs> I mean, I think even though we jumped around a lot, like if you were to go back and listen to the trouble episode, again, as an example, since that one's fresh in my head, we did jump around a little bit, but man, we mapped it out down to dialogue. Like that yeah. was really detailed. And then yep. we've had episodes, you know, like this one that were like pretty, I won't say high concept, but they were, you know, kind of aerial view, right? We yeah, were just broad kind of, we were, Yeah, exactly. And I think that they, they both work really well. So, yeah, I'm more comfortable with it as long as we are. And, you know, the episodes don't have to be crazy long. So with yeah. that, I think it's probably time to wrap this one up. I think we did some pretty awesome stuff. Uh, and I know you got to get to work. Yeah, I, I, I was just looking at the time. I was like, oh, crap, I got to oh. start getting ready. Oh, shit. So uh, speaking of social media, uh, you can find us online at RaisedByRentals.com or at RaisedByRentals on all those social media platforms that you love so much. Uh, I think we might be on TikTok. I don't remember. I know I made an account for Red Pantheon, though, on TikTok. Didn't post anything, but I used it to share stuff from all of the members of the Red Pantheon, which is an art collective of creative friends supporting each other and helping to spread the word about rad stuff. So if you like this show, there's a good chance that you'll dig one or more of our Red pantheon teammates a lot of which are on tiktok and i like to always share the videos to hit that algorithm uh but you can 
check that list of cool creative projects out at radpantheon.com. And of course, Rad Pantheon on the social medias, especially on Instagram, where I try to post occasionally. Uh, I just do blasts about once or twice a week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and you can check out more of uh, my content on Instagram as well at Comics Boost, to spell comics with an X, where I like to spotlight crowdfund campaigns for new comic book projects uh, that are really looking for support. And there's some pretty awesome ones coming out this year. Now that we've gotten through the holidays, I'm just getting blasted. I don't, I don't have enough time to keep up with all the cool projects I want to uh, share on there. But yeah, stuff on by Comics Boost. What about you, Mike? Uh, well, you can find, uh, well, The Boogeyman's Closet. That's uh, one of my other podcasts. Uh, the Boogeyman's Closet on both Facebook and Instagram and Boogeyman's Closet The on Twitter. Uh, we are about to enter our month of video game horror, something I'm very excited about uh, because this month we've split it into two two separate categories of horror movies based on video games and horror movies about video games. So we have uh, two movies that are strictly uh, based on existing video game properties and two that kind of imagine what would happen in a horror world of video <laughs> games. Uh, so very excited about this month. And then, of course, uh, Count Creepyhead Saturday Morning Monster Mash, just spelled Creepyhead with a K, where uh, three grown man children bitch about pop culture. And uh, last but not least, Zarakis on Instagram, Z-A-R-A-C-I-S, I've been trying to get better about posting more artwork lately. I've been trying to do a lot of daily sketches, and um, I have a couple of things coming up. I have a convention, a book that I'm working on, and an art show coming up, so I'll be posting a lot of artwork in the coming months. Awesome. Yeah, I'm super excited to, to see that. And I know you, know you did mention recently on social media that you were going to start posting more. So I am definitely stoked to start seeing more of that. And don't forget Zarakis as well, right? On TikTok as well. So you do your 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 practice drawings on yes. TikTok all the time. So yeah, definitely go back uh, and check those out as well. Well, we hope you guys have liked this episode. We hope that you you'll check out our past episodes and you know tell us what you think. You know, visit us on the socials and leave us a comment, like leave us a rating. You know, let us know what you think we should improv improve next time. And with that, I'm Josh. I'm Mike, and we have to return some videotapes. <laughs> Raised by Rentals is a member of the Rad Pantheon Network. Visit radpantheon.com to support rad stuff. The theme music is Forbidden Fruit by Velvet Bethany. You can purchase music and learn more at velvetbethany.com.